Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, let's get this going. Friday night edition Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. The Blue Jays playing their home opener. They are tied 1-1 with the Boston Red Sox in the bottom of the second inning. The Oilers in Vancouver. They practiced in Leduc and then flew. The season ends tomorrow. The season ends tomorrow against the Vancouver Canucks. We'll have the game for you on 6.30, Chad. 6.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. We will make some comparisons from last year to this year when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers and talk about a couple of key additions to the squad. Plus a little baseball chatter with Pat Tabler, former Toronto Blue Jay, now an analyst on Sportsnet. And living the dream tonight with Brennan Evans, Camrose. Native, grew up in Camrose, lives in Edmonton in the summer. He is a defenseman with the Texas Stars. If you've never heard Living the Dream before, we really like it here on Inside Sports. We feature a Northern Alberta hockey player playing in a league other than the NHL. We've had some uh, players from the AHL, the ECHL, a couple of players from the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Well, today we go back to the AHL, and Brendan Evans plays for uh, Derek Laxtall and the Texas Stars. At 8 o'clock tonight, Rexall's Last Stand, a documentary about the building that was home to the Edmonton Oilers for the last 42 years. Of course, the last game was there on Wednesday night. Uh, the Oilers practicing in Leduc today. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Well, let's rewind. We, we start against Calgary. We're not very happy with the performance. We hold them accountable. They respond extremely well when they needed to in front of, uh, in front of our fans and against a rival on a special night. Um, that's expected of them and they did a, a tremendous job. Uh, today's practice, anytime you practice off-site, it's a little bit different. Um, we know it was the last one. We know that we're heading to Vancouver right after this. Um, were we sharp? Uh, probably not sharp enough, but uh, we barked a little bit. I think this is a test um, in regards to character and professionalism coming up. And uh, uh, because we passed it the other night doesn't mean we get a night off now in, in Vancouver. Our, goal's there, our goal is to go there, perform and give each other our best game, get a win, and uh, then come home and review everything. All right, so that is Todd McClellan. My name is Reed Wilkins, by the way. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.09. Matthew Panaschik working on the other side of the window this evening. Matthew, how you doing, old boy? Not too bad, Reed. Are you with me tomorrow night for the game? I am. You're all right. We're going to close it out in style. What are the op records? Do you have those? Yes. Um, Callens is now 14-23-5, and, 
and mine is 17-20 and 2. Kellen Kennedy is a huge problem. He is. <laughs> uh, I you know I was uh, sorry. I know you got a phone call there to grab Matthew. Sorry about that. Oh, by the way, you can always reach us here by texting six thirty six thirty. The email is inside sports at six thirty ched dot com. The open line is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The uh, Oilers' record right now is thirty one forty three and seven. Last year, they were 24, 44, and 14. They have seven more wins than last year with the potential to make it eight. It'd be interesting if they made it exactly eight because that would be obviously uh, 10% of the season that they uh, would have had losses turned to wins from last year. I, I just got thinking about about some of the numbers and some of the players that have, have, have had impacts this season and maybe some of the new players that have had a, a lot of impact. Patrick Maroon is, is one of them, certainly. Now, he hasn't been here the full year, uh, but I do want to talk about him. But he, here's something to keep in mind. The Oilers right now, with one game to go, have scored two more goals than last season. So virtually no improvement. I mean, even if they were to score 10 tomorrow, I mean, we're not talking about a major improvement. It's likely they've scored 200 this year to 198 last year. So whatever. They'll probably improve by four or five goals over the course of the whole season. The goals against, they allowed 283 last year. They've allowed 241 so far this year. Basically half a goal per game improvement over last season. Their goal differential, they're still obviously not good, minus 41. They were minus 85 last year. They've improved by 44 goals overall. Now, I think this is, they're going to finish last or second last. They have not improved in the overall standings, despite some of the areas of improvement in these other numbers that I'm talking about. By the way, for tomorrow, the Oilers uh, play the Canucks, the Leafs play the Devils. The Oilers finish last in the overall standings if the Leafs get more points than the Oilers tomorrow. If the Oilers get the same or more, they're 29th. The difference in the lottery odds for the first overall pick, 30th overall gets a 20% chance, 29th overall gets a 13.5% chance. So that's what we're looking at there. Um, here's, here's something to keep in mind. This season, the Oilers have allowed 31.1 shots against per game. Not very good. That's actually worse, though, than last year. They allowed exactly 30 shots per game. So... They've allowed over a shot or game more per a shot per game more, but they're giving up half a goal per game less. And to me, this is more evidence that Cam Talbot is the MVP of this team and is the most significant addition since Peter Shirelli took over as general manager. Long term, it's going to be Connor McDavid. I think just for this season, because McDavid missed half of it. Cam Talbot's the most significant new oiler. He has a 9.17 save percentage. The league average is 9.15. He's played 55 games. Keep this in mind. Over his last 42 games, we always use December 14th as that cutoff point. Remember? They'd won five in a row at home. Nielsen had played those games. Talbot struggled late October into November. He goes in in Boston, and he steals the game in overtime on December 14th. So in those 42 games since then, Cam Talbot, a save percentage of 925. 
So I think you ask yourself here, if Cam Talbot can play 60 games next season and avoid a serious lull, is he good enough to come in around 920? Is he good enough to come in around 920 for the season? I don't know. I, th- I, I think he might be. He knows he's the guy. He knows what he has to work on. He, to me, he, Talbot clearly worked hard throughout the season. To me, Talbot never uh, hasn't been. I mean, we've talked about this team not dealing with adversity well and sometimes slumping their shoulders or feeling sorry for themselves when things go bad. I never sensed that from Talbot. I sensed a lot of determination and a lot of work ethic. I sensed disappointment when he had bad outings, but I never sensed him being crippled by it. And clearly you want that from a goaltender. So I guess that's the question for you. Is Talbot the team MVP? Is he the most significant Shirelli addition? And do you believe he can be even a slightly better goaltender when it comes to save percentage than, than last year? And I mean, look, well, a lot of times when we talk about the team, when we project, we're talking best-case scenario. But if the Oilers improve the defense with a guy or two and cut down the shots by maybe three or four per game and Talbot's save percentage rises a little bit over the course of a whole year, you're talking another maybe 20 to 30 goals against coming off the total from this year. Now, again, easier said than done. Talbot still has to prove it. Shirelli has to get the guy whether it's a Hamannick-type player or somebody else. But I think some promising signs for Talbot. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. You're going to hear from Patrick Maroon. You're going to hear from Todd McClellan. Bob Stoffer still ahead. It's 615 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, so uh, Darnell Nurse practiced today. He is expected to play tomorrow in Vancouver. Took a puck to the throat, checked out fine, should be good to go. Benoit Pouliot practiced today, by the way. He will not play tomorrow, but he wanted to get back out there. Suffered that shoulder injury uh, several weeks ago. Talbot, by the way, will play net tomorrow against the Vancouver Canucks. This is your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Going to go to the phone lines here in 30 seconds. A uh, text message here from B. Rad who says, Reed, are you seriously just placating Oilers fans without 10 major changes? The Oilers missed the playoffs by 20 points again next year. Look, B. Rad. It was a disappointing season. They might finish last. They will finish second last. I mean, big whoop if they finish ahead of Toronto. Uh, I I just started looking into the goals against and the shots against, which went up, and the goals against went down. It's obviously another negative season overall for the team. Having said that, I think credit where credit is due. And I think Cam Talbot deserves credit for playing well. And, I, I mean, look, everybody's saying how bad the defense is pretty much nightly, and how inexperienced they are since all the injuries, pretty much nightly. So maybe that means the goaltender's doing okay. That, that's that's all I'm saying. I, I, I hope he can keep it up for sure. Uh, 780-496-0063. Dave is on the line. Dave. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Hey, Reed. I, I, just, I always hear about Hamannick. He's the number one uh, person everybody talks to, but I just don't understand... 
like he says he wants to be closer to home. Winnipeg's a 14-hour drive from here. I don't understand why we're even an option compared to the island. Like you may visit it a couple more times a year on a road trip, but other than that, like it's still you're shaving what a little bit of flight time. I like wouldn't you think it'd just be Winnipeg or Minnesota that would be on his uh, radar? I don't understand why we're the fit. How come Colorado's not a fit and? You yeah, know, all these other teams. Yeah, good question. I mean, I've 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 wondered about that too when when it was first brought up. But apparently, he was open to to uh, to Western Canada. So uh, I mean, maybe he considered, or or maybe he and his family would just prefer to be in Canada rather than in the United States. I mean, I've heard that going around out there too. So you're right. Edmonton is not super close to Winnipeg. It's a more convenient flight than than from the west coast, absolutely. Um, but if he's if he's open to Edmonton, then I think that is something the Oilers should look into. I, I don't. Yeah, but don't don't you think he should have a little bit more background on that? Like, what's what's to say he gets here and then, you know, like everybody's talking about leveraging him out of there for one of our, uh, you know, so-called star players. What if he gets here and it's just not good enough? It sounds like somebody who. For me, looking at it, I just definitely want a little bit more background on why we'd actually be a fit. Yeah. Well, and number two, I just like I, I get it. We all need a right-hand defenseman. We all say that. And oh, he's got this amazing contract. Well, I don't think like unless you're scoring 45, 50 points a year as a defenseman, I don't think you should be worth more than four and a half million a year. Well, he's not. If he's not going to be a scorer wherever he goes. I think he's a good defender. I think he's he's a decent offensive player. Like he's not yeah, going like to get tons Jason of points. He's a Smith type of player. That's really good, but I don't know how awesome that contract really is. Like he's not going to be on the power play. He's not going to be the guy that, you know, inadvertently gets 30 points off McDavid. He's 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 just a really solid defenseman and I think his contract is uh, I I just think he's a guy that's not overpaid. I think his contract's where it should be. Fair enough, Dave. It's going to be up to Shirelli to do that detailed background, right? Thanks for calling. Okay. That's Dave 7804960063. Uh Ron the mayor Douglas, I'm coming to you on the line next by the way. Ron, the mayor, says, uh, let's run those hockey numbers if, and if it's a big if, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton lose in regulation, Vancouver wins, and Toronto gets at least one point, and Columbus wins the last two, then the bottom five would be Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, and Edmonton. Not only would no Canadian teams make the playoffs, but five out of the seven Canadian teams would be the worst in the league, hoping for better next year for the mighty Oil players will be moved in the offseason. Ron, I didn't look into all those permutations like you did. But uh, like I've said before, there really aren't any bragging rights for Canadian teams this season. You got a lot of guys, a lot of teams at the bottom separated by a few points. I mean, if, like I've said before, if the Oilers beat the Leafs in points 71-69 and the Flames beat the Oilers in points 74-71 or whatever it will be, I don't know if that's a lot to write home about. We have Douglas on line two. Douglas, thanks for calling. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, just a quick question. This might have been proposed before, but I was just going to talk about that Hamannick again. But Hamannick, is that his name, or Hamannick? Hamannick, I-C at the end. I see. Okay. Uh, do you think, I mean, if Edmonton loses tomorrow and they do get 
the last place. I mean, the worst pick they can get is fourth, right? Yes. And with that, like, I wouldn't trade the first three, but would you think that the fourth and um, Yakupov would be worth Hamannik, or they would need more? Oh, no, I think, I mean, the fourth would be pretty valuable, so I, I would think you could get Hamannik for the fourth. Because I was saying, I mean, if you had to throw in Pouliot, I don't know, if they took him and took his salary, I think that you shouldn't break up the first line. Now that they have, you know, that Patrick Maroon guy, I really like him. I think he's a keeper, so Pouliot would be down on the first line, I guess, or the sorry, the second line, but um, I think it's more important to get Hamannik than keep Pouliot, I guess. I don't know. But I just wondered if anybody proposed that before. So you think the fourth and Yakupov would be worth Hamannik? They'd be go for that? Well, I mean, I think that's the the fourth is pretty valuable. So, I mean... Just on his own, you mean? Yeah. Okay. No, I thought Yakupov would be good in New York. Russians seem to do well over there. Well, and, uh, they'll trade Yakupov. Whether they do it at a separate deal or he's maybe a bit of a throw-in into a deal like that, I guess, would, would remain to be seen. But I, that I mean, sounds so sad. I mean, what made that guy a first overall pick? I mean... Every scout said he was first overall. I mean, there have been cherry pickers before. It's just that he, does he just not want to play defense? Or he, like when they're looking at a guy and they say, this guy's going to be first overall, why was he made to be that way? Did he not play defense in junior and he just decided, or did he just get so disenchanted with, uh, what's his face, that coach I forgot about from. Yeah, with Akins. I, I think, uh, I, I think with Yagapov, he overwhelmed a lot of. Goalies in junior with his with his shot and and he just kind of got on a roll. He was you know he, he had really gaudy numbers with Sarnia and I mean look you need skill in the NHL, but the NHL is such a puck battle game, and Yakupov to me doesn't win enough puck battles and doesn't engage in enough puck battles. Like he shies away from the forecheck, he lets the defenseman go in first so he doesn't get hit. He fishes with his stick too much. He's just not that body position battling type player. And, you know, he, he plays with a lot of energy, but it doesn't always seem to be directed towards doing productive things. I, I think for him it just is kind of a bit of a hockey sense type thing. Maybe he's going to figure out. Maybe maybe a change of scenery will help him, but it just seemed to keep mounting here where, you know, that it, it just didn't go, go his way. I thought he's played better since the trade deadline. Um, but probably not good enough that Shirelli's going to keep him around. Well, that's kind of disappointing. And then you, you and Bob have probably had this conversation before about that first round that he was first overall and like who it, who's ending up to be the best player out of all that first round, I think. Well, there's Truba, there's Lindholm. Uh, wasn't Philip Forsberg 11th or 12th? Bring up the 2012 draft there. Uh, I mean, Galchenyuk might turn out to be pretty good but yeah Yakupov I mean if you were do it if you were to do it again he wouldn't be probably in the top six or seven all right thanks it. Douglas appreciate it seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three Balzac Billy says clearly the Oilers need to improve in some key areas however the team is not as bad as their record suggests they have to get out from under this cloud of prolonged injuries to key players this set them back substantially this year. They must get bigger, stronger, and more durable. Another texture says, there's no way Shirelli leaves this team intact. These young men hate to lose and need changes. Well, I'm not, I hope people don't think that I was suggesting the team should stay intact because of my Cam Talbot comments. That was just strictly about Cam Talbot. 
And part of my point was is that they give up too many shots against per game. That's not on the goaltender. So, I mean, they got to have some players here who are better at clearing the puck and keeping it in the other team's end to get those shots down. Just wanted to make the point that I think I think Talbot's had a maybe even a better season than we might have been thinking. More of your texts, Maroon, Bob Stoffer, all to come inside sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. The Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 2-1 after 3 in the Toronto home opener. Dave Campbell caught up with Pat Tabler earlier, former Blue Jay. Now the color analyst for the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. That's coming up at uh, between 7 and 7.30 tonight. We have a Live in the Dream guest today, Brennan Evans from the Texas Stars. Bob Stoffer in a few minutes. Rexall's Last Stand, a special encore presentation of our documentary between 8 and 9 tonight. If you missed it, I hope you can listen. And if you enjoyed it, I hope you are able to listen again. Here's what's uh, happening in the NHL. Just one game. The Blue Jackets lead the Sabres 2-1 late in the second period. Your scoreboard is courtesy of Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can call 310-GLASS today. You can always text 630-630, of course. A few texts uh, coming in. Oh, I don't know if I want to do every trade suggestion that's here today. You guys know that I'm not a a huge fan. Uh, The Big L says, Hey, Reed, I don't think it's so much about shipping out Eberle Hall or Nugent Hopkins. I believe it has more to do with bringing in a change to team chemistry and personality. These are very talented players, and I certainly don't want to see them go, but it's a team sport, so we can't keep justifying how good this group might be by emphasizing the stats of certain players, no matter how individually gifted they are. That is from the Big L. Well, and I think that's a that's a fair text. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of you, and I know a lot of you get angry after, well most games in recent seasons, unfortunately. I mean, a lot of it is, is how the roster fits together, right? I, I mean, Taylor Hall gets crapped on. I've already had a couple texts tonight saying Taylor Hall's a cancer. Get him out of here. You know how I feel about that. But, I, I mean, at, at, at some point, you have to realize, all right, this just doesn't fit together. You know, it's, it's puzzle pieces that maybe are part of the wrong puzzle. You know, where they got, they're in the wrong, you pour all the puzzle pieces out of the box and they, they don't all fit in the right spot. We got Ryan on the line here before we bring in Stoffer. Hey, Ryan. Hey, I just, uh, I want to know why Lauren Brassois not getting the start tomorrow night. It's, uh, it's not really a meaningless game, but basically we're playing for the first overall pick and it seems like Lauren Brassois got five games in, no wins, it's the last game of the season. I don't see why Cam Talbot gets uh, another start to give the young kid a chance to get his first NHL win. Yeah, I mean, sure. Our, uh, sorry, McClellan said they had that schedule that they, they were going to stick to down the way, so I guess they're not going to alter from that. I, I think because the game's being so spaced out at the end of the year, 
they wanted to give uh, Talbot these. I mean, it's an odd schedule with the three games over the final 12 or 13 days. Bersois is going to go down. He's going to play in Bakersfield. Hopefully, he helps them make the playoffs. I, I you know, I was wondering, will Bersois get the final game? Um, I, I wonder if they would have handled that a little differently if they could have with having another goaltender around so Brassois could have kept playing in the minors, but it didn't work out that way. Fair question, though. Before we bring in Bob, Brian, thanks for holding. I want to give you a chance to get in here. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, yeah, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, yeah, uh, the core players are the only common denominator uh, in the last uh, six, seven years, whatever. But, you know, they, there's a, the thing that uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, you know, expecting different results. But, I definitely think that something in the core group's got to change. Um, and, you know, we, we have a we have a lot of talented forwards, smaller talented forwards, and maybe that's the problem. You know, you bring in a maroon and all of a sudden everybody looks better. So I think that's kind of a, an indication of, oh, you know, maybe you know, or, or, or a power play defenseman or, a, you know, a number one, two defenseman that can move the puck is where we need to look. I hope that's where Shirelli's looking. Your thoughts? Well, I don't think they're going to get a number one, number one type defenseman, but I think hopefully they can get a good or very good defenseman who's, uh, you know, an above average defender and at the very least average at advancing the puck off the ice maybe could help on the power play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that that's that's where they're at, and they're going to draft in the top five, maybe in the top four, which means maybe you get Austin Matthews or one of those Finnish wingers, and then that gives you, you know, even more room to play around for a possible deal for sure. Brian, thanks for calling. Thanks. All right. Bob Stoffer hosts Oilers now. Bob, I just wanted to get those gentlemen in because they called uh, before the news, so I don't like to uh, make guys hold for too long. So thanks for waiting. How's Vancouver, buddy? Beautiful here, man. It's really nice. Good stuff. Uh, what the deal with Brassois? We uh, the, you're, you're, uh, did you hear that caller? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they they traded Nielsen, so they didn't have another backup. But do you, th- you think that's one thing Shirelli would would take a do over on to no. maybe have? No. You think he was fine with the way it played out? I mean, it, as it turned out, Laurent. You know, every step. Uh, you know, when Laurent first started with the Edmonton Oil teams, he struggled out of the gate his first year. Took a step forward when he struggled minor pro-wise, even briefly in the ECHL, definitely in the AHL, and then took another step the next year. Uh, they know where they're at, and where they're at to me is pretty clear. They're going to uh, need to sign uh, a, a veteran backup goaltender. The goaltender market is actually flush with guys like that at a million bucks in that range. And, uh, you know, they're going to need to sign that guy to complement uh, – Cam Talbot, and then my guess is by the midpoint next year, Bressois, if he gets, say, 35 starts in 45 games, probably proves that he's ready to go, and away we go. All right. I don't know if you, I know you. I know you weren't able to listen to the top of the show. I don't know if you saw what I put out on Twitter around 545. I was just looking at some of the comparisons from last season. The Oilers have allowed 42 fewer goals than last year with one game to go. So let's round it off to half a goal per game. They're allowing over a shot a game more than last year. So they're allowing more shots, but the goals against is down. Talbot's save percentage is 917. The league average is 915. He's 925 over his last 42 games. He's played 55. I mean, you know that I believe that Cam Talbot is the MVP of this team. Looking at those numbers, Bob, I think maybe he's had even a better season than I myself believed before today. 
Well, he's got to be ready to go right from the start next year. I mean, that's two years in a row where he's had slow starts out of the gate, but there's no question from December 14th on, he's been the Edmonton Oilers' best player. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid, unfortunately, well, I mean, I guess in the end, Talbot's probably only going to play 10 or 15 more games as McDavid. Uh, this will be the last time that we say somebody other than Connor McDavid was probably the best player for the balance of the season. But I don't think there's any question in my mind, Reed, that uh, the Edmonton Oilers feel as though they've got their answer and goal. And I think for the majority of the fans, they look at the body of the work over the last three months and even over the last two seasons with the New York Rangers, and they probably think they have something in goal. The shot, that, that doesn't surprise me because the defense hasn't been good enough. And it was weakened uh, by the injuries, plural, to Oscar Clefbaum, first the hand injury, and then the, the leg infections and the challenges that they've had on that front. And we saw a guy like Brandon Davidson emerging. He got hurt. So, uh, you know, if, if you factor in Clefbaum and Davidson, it would not surprise me if we have four new defensemen that did not finish the year. Because I think they'll make a trade for a right shot off at the D, and I think they'll possibly looking at, look at signing another uh, UFA right shot D to, to sort of round out the defense core a bit. And uh, there's, I, I would assert that they might be, you know, at least two defensemen better than they're at right now and four of their top five better than they're at right now. Uh, at the start of next year, I think that would be the goal. If I was, uh, you know, if I was in Peter Shirelli's shoes, that's what I'd be doing. Well, even Griba getting hurt uh, hurt the team. I mean, he kills penalties. He can play mean enough, I think, in today's game. And then don't forget, his replacement also got hurt because Party was, in my mind, I know they have different shots, but Party was the replacement for for Griba. And then you know he came back, and and uh, you know he's, I think he's still, I think that hand is still. Is sure. still bothering him for sure, and I mean, you know, I don't think Clem Denning is going to be in the NHL next year, at least not with the. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'd be surprised if Adam Clem Denning was qualified uh, at the end of this season. Uh, and you're right. They, I mean, he, in the short term, for six games, Adam Party played pretty well. He hasn't been the same player since the injury's gone down. But the others, you know, people can sit there and say, "Well, Hall didn't lead us, and Nugent Hopkins didn't lead us." And, and Everly, those guys, they didn't get a – well, they've never had any defense. And I'm here to tell you that if they had three defensemen like Mark Giordano, Dougie Hamilton, and uh, T.J. Brody, who might be the best of those three guys, all over 40-plus points, Taylor Hall would be sitting with 75 or 78 points right now. Connor McDavid might have 55 to 58 points right now. Those guys are that good. And the amount of squandered opportunities, uh, you know, Secra really is a 3-4 NHL defenseman. He's the type of guy that can finish the final 15, 20 seconds of a power play. The others just aren't good enough on the back end, and it, it limits the offensive firepower that they do have. So uh, I'm sure Peter Shirelli is going to be very active in terms of trying to upgrade his defense over the course of the offseason, and with legitimate upgrades. Because with all due respect to a 34-year-old Andrew Ferris when he was signed, or Nikita Nikitin, or even Mark Fain, ultimately none of those guys proved they could play in the Oilers' top four. I'm talking, you know, getting in. With Clefbaum, uh, for sure one and possibly two top four defensemen uh, for next year. Bob Stoffer joining us on Inside Sports. He hosts Oilers now from noon to two every day. Well, you you brought up Sekra and, and you know a couple guys were texting in about him. I uh, just want to remind everybody he's got the no move clause, so Sekra's going to be here too. I, I you know and Sekra. He took a lot of heat earlier in the year. It's he's been kind of in and out of the fire throughout the season. Um, you know, 
again, on a team that's 29th, 30th, there's going to be consistency issues and guys that are playing too much. I wonder, too, with Sekera, Bob, you know, I think he he would probably be one of the guys that's a like a lot of them that are a little stunned that they're where they are they are in the standings. He plays a little next just next year, and hopefully he can stay a little more engaged. I don't know if he's been quite. I mean, you're you're around the guys on the road. I don't know if he's been quite as intense as maybe at points earlier in the season because he didn't sign that contract to come here and and you know might maybe finish in last place. In a perfect world, you know, Clefbaum, I mean, Clefbaum was playing 21-53 when he went out of the lineup and he didn't play the third period against the Rangers. So he's basically a 22-minute-a-game guy. You know, uh, I did speak to Oscar today. Um, you know, I think we got to take Tom McClellan on his word, assuming that uh, everything will be fine for him to return at the start of next year. I think Clefbaum could end up maybe not starting the year leading the team in minutes, but finishing the year leading the team in minutes. It depends a bit on what they get in the right side. But I think they got to get a couple guys that can both play 18 minutes a game. And uh, one guy has to be offensive. He doesn't have to be the greatest defensive guy, but he's got to be a heck of a lot better than uh, than Justin Schultz. And that, that to me, would push uh, Andre Secker into the second pairing. And I actually think we'd like you. I think what you're saying is you think Secker less could be more for Secker. I'm 100% on board. I think he'll be better next year if he plays – 18 and a half to 19 minutes a game instead of 21 minutes a game like he's been forced to play this year. All right. Just quickly, Bob, before I let you go, some other uh, random numbers I was looking at today because you and I talked earlier in the I mean, there was that one point earlier in the season before things spread out a little bit where I think there was fewer than 10 points separating 14th overall and 30th overall. This year, depending on what happens tomorrow, there will be either 10 or 11 teams with 84 points or less. Last year, there were only seven. And obviously, by the end of the year, Toronto, Edmonton, uh, Arizona, and Buffalo had really fallen out of the fallen out of things. Buffalo's looking at a 25-point improvement over last season. Arizona's plus 22. Now, they're, neither one's going to make the playoffs. But a, a different... Uh, a different vibe. I mean, there are the, look. The Oilers are having a bad year. There's no doubt about that. But a, a different sort of grouping in that bottom ten in the league this year. Well, bottom line is this: If Toronto wins tomorrow, every team in the league wins thirty games. Right. Right. And that has not happened since those seven oh eight. You had four teams that were really bad. You look at the goal differential, and the Oilers have shaved basically forty goals off their goal differential. I mean, that is significant. Edmonton could end up winning eight more games than they did last year and shaving off 40 goals. It's a step. It's not a big enough step for the fans. I get that. They're frustrated. They're angry. But it is a progressive move forward. And uh, Buffalo plays in the East. In Arizona's case, you know, they got healthy, and they got off to a good start. I think, frankly, they surprised teams. But I don't know what's going to happen in Arizona here in the offseason. I got a strange feeling that we might be in for a significant change with the Arizona Coyotes organization. And all bets are off carrying forward. If uh, Maloney's gone as GM or if ownership steps in and says, you got to step up and uh, cough up to go bring in Austin Matthews because we need to sell tickets in our market to build a new rink. And if that happens, I don't know if Dave Tippett's got an appetite to stay. So, and even in Toronto's case, I sit there and, and you know, I read the, the Twitter accounts of guy, you know, this young pro. I mean, Neil Anders is an exciting player. Is he going to be better than Jordan Everly, who led the orders in scoring three or five years? Uh, different player for sure, but I'm not convinced he's going to be dramatically better. 
and he's certainly, in my mind, not on the level of a McDavid or a Dreisaitl, so, or even a Hall. I mean, Hall is an absolute driver, too, tilts the ice. So, well, you know, it wasn't a big enough step read. Everybody that's listening to the show right now knows that. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody involved, but there was a progression. Now, there needs to be a more significant progression next season. Bob, I hope the rock star is flowing freely on the West Coast. Thanks, buddy. That is Bob Stoffer checking in tonight, host of Oilers now, noon to 2 every day on 6.30. Chad Brendan Ulrich, pinch hit for Bob today while he was uh, traveling. And Bob and I will be on the City Ford Faceoff show tomorrow at 6.30. And then the game against the Canucks coming up at 8. And, of course, Inside Sports brought to you by AMA. Be listening tomorrow for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey AMA safety and savings for your family. All right, I want to get to a couple of text messages, some comments from Patrick Maroon as well. Inside Sports on Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. The late Robert uh, Palmer. The late Robert Palmer, the lead singer. DB texting in. First of all, hello, DB. Good to hear from you. He says, by now the Oilers' contemporaries should be the New York Islanders or Florida. They shouldn't be measured against teams who are just early in their rebuilds. Well, I mean, clearly. I mean, the last, like, I always kind of separate, I know it's 10 years out of the playoffs, like, I always kind of separate the last seven, because that's when they've been way out of the playoffs. I mean, some teams go through cycles twice in seven years of being good for a couple, bad for a couple, good for a couple, in out of the playoffs. By the way, was that a grand slam? Yes, it was. Donaldson? Yes, it was. Josh Donaldson, grand slam for the Blue Jays. They lead Boston 7-2 in the bottom of the fourth, second career grand slam for last year's American League MVP. This texter says the Oilers need a player who can be the heart and soul. They're having bursts of greatness, but they can't sustain the intensity. They need a new Ryan Smith to lead by example. You know, and and McClellan touched on that in that clip I played earlier. I mean, they they had a stinker against uh, the Flames. They responded against a not very good Canucks team, but nonetheless responded and won the game. They got to sustain it. I mean, I, I don't know if, if if it's they play two or three good games in a row and think, okay, that's good enough. Now we got to figure it out. We don't have to keep working. I mean, the way you sustain it is by keeping working. And I think that's a bit of the mentality Maroon has brought to the locker room. It's that you can never say it's good enough. You can never say it's good enough. You can never stop learning. You can never stop pushing. You can never stop wanting to to deal with the diversity. You can never, you know, you have to learn how to be comfortable and composed in difficult situations. That team doesn't have that. I mean, as well as as much as we talk about the holes in the roster, and I still think there are significant ones, does does this team have enough of that mentality where it's like, okay, we are in this. We are not out of this. Todd McClellan talked about the not folding their hand. And we we didn't see that throughout the season. We saw it at times. We didn't see it enough throughout the season. Michael says, Taylor Hall is the Oilers' best player. He got twice as good this year by actually playing an entire season. I believe that he should be the captain next season until McDavid eventually wears the C. I can't even believe trading him is being discussed. In the completely unlikely scenario 
were he to go somewhere and end up on the same team as Yakupov, I would actually cheer for another team than the Oilers for the first time in my life. This is madness that some people want to trade Hall. That is coming in from Michael. And Sam G says, Ray Reed, I think out of the core group, Everly is the most frustrating player. As talented as he is, um, uh, as talented as he is, if he had just shoot as often, uh, more often than continuously looking for a perfect shot, where would he be in scoring? So if I have to choose someone out of the core to go, it would be Jordan Everly to get Oilers something else of value. That is coming in from Sam G tonight. All right, still ahead. Uh, I want to get to some Todd McClellan and Patrick Maroon comments. I know you love Patrick Maroon. Well, I'm assuming you love Patrick Maroon. Pat Tabler, looking forward to having him on the show to talk some baseball. And our Living the Dream segment back with Brennan Evans of the Texas Stars. This guy's an interesting story. He's played two NHL games, and they were both on a team that went to the Stanley Cup final. It is 6.57, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.